I, I'm just trying to th- think of the edit. Like, how do we start the episode? Right. Hi, I'm Ali Ibrahim. I was born in Nigeria, but have been living in Malaysia for the past 16 years. And I'm Al Siu. I've just moved to Ireland from Malaysia, where I was born. We are two friends working through our thoughts about things. And this, this is, is Al and Al Chai podcasting. podcasting. I was thinking maybe we can start with um, a word to describe the year we've had. Okay. Uh, do you have a word or do you want me to go first? Uh, okay, I can go first. Okay. I go. think for me, the word is definitely overwhelming. Oh, okay. Say more about that. Well, I think this year, a lot of big changes, definitely for me. I mean, this is the year that I got married. Right. And then, obviously, I moved. Mm-hmm. I had to close my business. Right. And then now I'm sort of moving again. Right. You are moving to Malta. Yes, I'm moving to Malta. So I think it's a lot. <laughs> and it's like it all happened in the span of, what, three to six months. Right. So is the overwhelm in retrospect or is the overwhelm like when it was happening, you are like, okay, this is overwhelming. Or is it that when you think about it, you're like, oh, damn, a lot has happened this year. No, I think it's like during. Oh, okay. You know, there was a lot that I had to take in. Right. And a lot of times I I was quite stressed out and anxious. Like, I think this year has been the most, like in terms of anxiety levels. Mm. Yeah, this one takes the cake, man. Like really, really through the roof. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like right now I'm like slowly getting back some stability because I am moving already to Malta and finally we have a place to live. So, right. Yeah. What about you? Humility is the word that comes to mind to me. And I'll give you sort of uh, the reason why. Mm-mm. It's because when this year started, I had all these high hopes and big plans. I wanted to run a marathon in three hours and 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. That was one of my goals this year. Well, the big thing that happened was that I injured my back in March. Mm. And that kind of derailed my life. But the injury, what that did to me was just revealed to me how little control I have over my body. Mm. And it forced me to slow down. I mean, you say that, but it also feels like you did accomplish quite a lot this year. It may not be the goals that you set out, but somehow, because like you've done your zines, You've done your meetups, your... It is true, I've done these things, but these things in the beginning of the year, they were never part of the plan. Like when I started this year, I didn't start this year with the intention of starting the book club. Mm. And I definitely had no intention of doing the zine this year. Again, like the zine is something that has always just been there. Mm. Literally all the things that I've done this year were not part of the plan this year. Yeah, and I think that's the sort of the theme this year, isn't it? Because like even for me, a lot of the things that happen... I didn't plan any of it, right? Yeah. I had a vision of where I wanted to be and how I wanted my life to turn out. Right. As soon as I get, I got to Ireland, but it was complete, nothing, nothing was anything (laughs) like it. You know, the plan was to live in Dublin, but here I am in Donegal. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, at least you got the D right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some, some, some letters made it. So what are the good things that happened like uh, 
this year? Like maybe we can start with like, I don't know, memories or events or something. Just one. We don't have to go into a lot. I guess the biggest one for me was definitely getting married. Like, you know, I never thought that. I mean, I knew that we were going to get married, but like I never thought that like, it, you know how sometimes you think like, okay, yes, we've agreed to get married, but you, you don't really, you, it's kind of surreal when you're actually standing there and doing the vows and, right. you know, have people witnessing this. And yeah, it, it was a, it's a huge, it was a, it's a huge thing. What was, what was the day like? So let me take you back a bit okay. because it's like anxiety upon anxieties, right? Because <laughs> of all this un, like uncertainty. We were supposed to get married in 2020. Oh, okay. Yeah. We were supposed to get married in 2020. That was the original plan. But then COVID. Yes. And then all the borders closed, whatever, right? So, yeah. okay, never mind. So we pushed our date to 2021. <laughs> and then 2021 came and went. And again, we were still in the midst of like open, close, open, close, right? We don't know. So never mind. We, and, and, and the fact that also when it was slightly, slightly open and we had a chance to go actually, but we weren't really confident with like being on planes and like, you know, at the time, I think Europe was having a really bad wave. Right, right. So we're like, okay, it's not safe for us to go. Fine, never mind. Then we pushed to 2022. And then finally, it was going to happen. And we were already there. We made it to Dublin. We're like, yes, this is it. And then bam, she gets COVID. <laughs> so, you know, then it was that stress of like, like how far do we postpone it, right? Because they are also back to back for them. Like a lot of people are getting married. So they're kind of, so Dublin was kind of busy with that. So they only have specific dates and time slots for us. Right. Because every day they've got like many couples wanting to get married because of this backlog, right? From these two years. Yes. But thankfully she tested negative. Yeah. And then we finally made it. So yeah, that's why I say it's been like, it's like when I was standing there doing the vows, signing the, the contract. Yeah. It was very surreal. Right. And before that, we had to do a this interview of uh, marriage marriage for convenience. Have you ever heard of that? It's quite convenient, like, like, like a sham marriage. Yeah. So it's like a in the US, it's the green card marriage. Green right? card marriage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we had it was it was fun. I really enjoyed it. It felt like we were on a game show. Did they interview separately? It's interviewed separately, right? And then she writes down our answers and then she compares them later. It's, wow. Yeah, it's really, I know it's like really nerve-wracking, but it also, it was really fun for me. I was like, oh, cool. We're on a what game What are show. the questions like? Oh, it's like things like, what is, what is the, first of all, they make you describe the place that you live together, if you do live together. Okay. Yeah, they ask things like, what's the color of the, your door? Okay, I mean... I guess, right? Just to be sure that you live together, if you say you live together. Yeah, and yeah. then they will ask you things like, um, what is each other's favorite restaurant? Mm. You know? Uh, what kind of languages do you speak at home? How many siblings do each other have? Okay. Stuff like that, essentially. I'm trying to, th to, to sort of transpose this on like people I've dated to be like, mm. do I know... Their favorite restaurant? I don't know. I, I don't think I know the rest, the favorite restaurants of any of the people that I've dated. Zero. No, and you are right. Because when <laughs> she asked me that, that question, I, I blanked. Yeah. I was like, what is her favorite restaurant? I mean, first of all, it's been COVID times. So when have we been to a restaurant in these past two years, right? It was really hard to find something. So I just said a random bar. And, a, <laughs> and, and nine said for mine was like some, uh, I think it was a, 
I think it's a Chinese restaurant that we both really like, right? Right. But essentially, the answers were not the same because, yeah, it didn't match, lah. So. But you passed it clearly. Yeah, and anyway, I think the Irish are really chill because uh, I think when I answered, I I had this look of horror on my face, and she was like, she immediately was like, "It's okay if you don't get it right. This is not about like you know, like oh, you got one wrong, so we're not gonna allow you to get married. No, it's just they wanted to see if the they're gauging based on like if the way you describe or say certain things sounds like you had a relationship with this person. Yeah, what's yours? I've been thinking of it, and I think the most memorable thing for me this year was all the way back in January when I was back in Nigeria. And I think it was as memorable as it was because, again, 2020, 2021, the lockdowns. And 2021, my relationship ended and we were in lockdown when it ended and I lived by myself. So I don't think I've ever felt loneliness the way I felt in 2021. So from September to December, I was going out pretty much every weekend. Wow. And that's when I became like a phono regular, <laughs> but also I was going on a lot of dates. But anyway, at the end of December, I went back home and my body kind of shut down. My mind also kind of shut down. So I had like a breakdown because while I was here, I could not break down because I had nobody, <laughs> so to speak. Like nobody would pick me up if I broke down. So I had to sort of keep it together. And so when I went back home, I broke down and I sort of went through it. And then in January, I mean, in December also, but in, it was happening a lot, but specifically in January, because we're talking about this year, I was hanging out with my family in our kitchen every night, just drinking tea, talking about whatever. And it was just so wholesome. Like I felt... Yeah, a part of something. And I didn't feel like... Because when I was going out before going back home, like mm. all this like days and even phone, and like, there is a performative nature to it. But with these drinks, with this tea time back home, I was off. I was very relaxing. I was just there. Most of the time, I wasn't even talking. I was just listening to my brother talking to something or my mom telling some random story. And, and it's just like, oh, these are stories that I haven't heard of. And sometimes, I'm like, okay, I've heard this story, but just... Tell it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we are just there. And it's all five of us. And like, I can't remember the last time like all of us were under the same roof. Yeah, that's nice. I, yeah, I like that memory. It's good. I think it's also because it's one of those things that I, I wish I had more. But, you know, I've always lived away from family. So same. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, you know, you at some point you do go back and then you get to experience that again but like also because like my my family is literally like my you know my parents are divorced and my sister lives in singapore so it's all everyone's everywhere so yeah yeah we hardly hardly get that so yeah. fair enough oh yeah speaking about tea just very quickly yeah. <laughs> just i'm not a tea person at all okay i'm 100 coffee only but this year is the year that i also changed my mind about tea oh what changed because there is a box of decaf tea okay yeah i know it has to be decaf i i i figure i cannot drink regular tea because of the tannins like it gives me headaches for some reason oh, okay. yeah but there's a box of decaf tea when i arrived in this house and my friends who you know 
who live here told me that like oh you can have the the tea because nobody drinks decaf is, is it black tea it's black tea is yeah it's decaf black tea and uh so what i do is so on its own it doesn't taste really well like doesn't taste nice but right. i add like a dash of honey and wow it's just <laughs> amazing and so now i'm sort of a tea person I mean that is great. We are glad to have you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also no milk. Yeah, definitely no milk. Yeah, of course. This year was also the year that I took tea classes. So I got into tea classes. What's that? Chinese tea. So like I I I took Chinese tea appreciation classes and then Chinese tea brewing classes. So like I'm like tea tea into tea tea, which is also why it's just like okay. Because the way I see it, there's kind of like this sort of essentially two school of thoughts about tea okay. you know that's like uh, the kind of like the minimalist school and the maximalist school and the way I see it is that the minimalist school is the Chinese tea it's usually traditionally it's just tea leaves water like and the way you sort of change things is like okay the temperature of the water or like how long you leave the tea leaves in and like that's sort of how you modify it mm. but essentially all you need is like the leaves and hot water and then the maximalist one is like the indian tea which is that you put all the things in it like all the spices oh yeah like like like, like the masala tea right okay and i think the british took the indian tea and then removed the spices <laughs> and <laughs> and then they exported that to all their colonies as what tea is oh i mean i'm still like a baby chinese tea aficionado mm. but i want to also learn the maximalist tea i want to take like a masala tea and i feel like oh well, at least here or maybe i'm just not looking at it i feel like the maximalist tea doesn't get as much respect mm. <laughs> or maybe because there is no ritual to it because you know with, with the chinese tea there is a ritual yeah. so it feels important yes true So let's jump into the media. Let's start with books. Okay. One is um, Open Water by Caleb Nzuma Nelson. Mm-hmm. The second one is In the End, It Was All About Love by Musa Okonga. Mm-hmm. And these two books, I see them as the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are both autofiction written in the second person by black British writers. <laughs> yeah. One of them is about a guy who moves to Berlin and about his life there and open water is about a sister relationship with two black people in London and everything that comes around with that with like belonging and racism and art because they're also both artists she's a dancer and he is a photographer and so it's the intersection of like art and identity and also just being in a black body in Europe essentially mm-hmm. and both both of them i really really like i like in the end it was all about love slightly more mm. because to me it feels more visceral like i feel like i i'm living it as he's telling it mm. whereas open water feels more written if that makes sense so those two are like one category of book mm-hmm. 
obviously, I also really like in the end, it was all about love. Yeah, it took me a while to get to it uh, after your recommendation on the podcast. But then when I got on it, I'm just I could not stop. I read it all in one sitting on my flight to either out of Malta or to Malta, one of those. Malta. Yeah. So right. it, yeah, I just finished it on. It was so like, I think I agree with you in that, like when you read his writing, it's like, it's like I was in his head. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, you could really feel everything he was going through in that moment. Yes. You know, it really puts you in his head. So I think, I think that's like, is that skill, man, to be able to write like that and to be able to write in a, in a, in second person that, isn't like in any way cliche or cringy you know what i mean like there is yeah, yeah. like it's, it's second person but without like the framing device of like a letter or something it's just second person yeah it's just second person you know it's like like you said it's like we are with him in that moment in that time yeah yeah and has all these great stories but i also like one of why the other reason that why i really like it is also that like it although he it reminds me a lot about you. Right. Like, I feel like, yeah, because I feel like the, some of the stories that he tells, the way it's structured, feels like something that you could have easily written as well. Honestly, I felt the same way about the book. I think maybe that's also why I didn't fight with it. I was just like, this book feels me. Yeah, it's so weird. Because as I was reading, I was like, I had to stop for a while and be like, wait, no, this is not Al. But like, it, sometimes in my head, <laughs> When I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, right, that's how Al feels. And then I'm like, I forget that it's not you, Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it sounds so much like you that like, yeah, but it's also a nice way for me to be like, oh, I feel like I maybe understand you a bit more through this experience. Yeah. The other book for me is Border Hacker by Levi Wonk and Axel Kirchner. I don't know how you say that, but like, yeah. Okay. And Border Hacker is basically... Um, it's written by this American white guy. He's an anthropologist and he writes about the the migration caravans from Mexico to America. It's It was very, I guess, revealing to me mm-hmm. about borders and migration and laws around that and how America treats um, Mexicans and people from Guatemala, Honduras. Yeah, it's it's stuff that like I feel like I've heard about. Yeah, you know, because like America politics, you hear about it all the time. Of course. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway for me was I was quite shocked that you know Obama had such a huge part to play in this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, because of all the good publicity he normally gets, I don't, I don't, I, I didn't realize that his nickname was actually Deporter in Chief. Yeah, yeah, Deporter in Chief. Yes, I have heard that. Yeah. Yeah. There's this one other book that I don't know what I want to talk about. Uh, I just finished reading it. It is, okay. um, I'll just say, just in case. But uh, okay. it's called, I think, uh, I'm Glad My Mom Died. Have you heard of oh, it? It's okay. the memoir by um, Jeanette McCurdy. She's like this Nickelodeon star. Um, and in the book, she talks about the uh, emotional, physical abuse that she has been through um, at the hands of her mother and also the industry, like the the celebrity kids celebrity industry right, with the directors right. and the producers and Nickelodeon as well. Okay. Uh, it's very heavy. So a lot of the things that the mom did, even though, you know, I'm not a child celebrity, uh, I could yeah. um, 
resonate with because I had similar experiences with my own mother and you know in certain ways right uh so i i took i think four months to finish it because every oh, time wow. yeah each chapter is like one minute long right they're like 80 no 92 chapters in total in the book oh. yeah but each chapter really is just like one first page second page done next mm. but i couldn't every chapter was hard hitting so i had to like take breaks and sometimes i just felt like oh it's so much i have to prepare myself if i want to read the book Right. So then I started being, you know, I start, I started to avoid it, yeah, yeah, avoid it and read other things. Right. So, but I eventually I finished it because I have a good reads challenge that I need to finish. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't finished mine. I think I'm like one book behind. Same, same. I'm, I'm one book behind. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I think it's quite nice to be able to feel less alone like in this world there are people who are going through this with their mother they have fraught relationships with their mothers and i don't think we hear about that very much right the first movie i want to talk about is decision to leave yes <laughs> park chan work yes yes park chan work for life and <laughs> And the thing about this movie for me is essentially everyone, and I, 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 I will argue with anybody, like everyone who is in a movie or on TV is an attractive person, period. Like the very fact that you are on that, yes, maybe you are in a TV or in, in a movie where like everybody else is more attractive than you are. That's yeah. fair. But like, I think the very fact that you're in, there's like, like like a threshold to attractiveness okay. that you have to hit to get on TV. Okay. And I feel like a lot of movies or TV shows have attractive characters, but then sort of play to them like they are like normal characters. And they sort of like normalize this sort of attractiveness as like, this is just the norm. Look at these people. Yeah. They're like living in an apartment and they're all good looking, but like, what? We don't know that. Yeah. They're just people. Yeah. And in recent times, at least, the movie that I think has an attractive character and not just like acknowledges the attractiveness, but also weaponizes it, which is something that I personally believe attractiveness is like, I believe it's a weapon. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and like, this is a movie that takes like hotness and weaponizes it and not just weaponizes for the characters in the movie, but weaponizes it to the audience. Mm. Because, at least to me, because it's like, I know this woman is doing horrible things, but like, I'm still kind of rooting for her. I know, it's <laughs> awful. <laughs> yes, because she's not just seducing him, she's seducing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's just such a powerful thing for a movie to do. So this is like why I love this. Like even at the end of the movie, it's like, oh my God, oh my God. Like I, I, I love love. But to be fair, her the, the things that she has done, yeah, the bad stuff that she has done to her other partners, I mean, they were horrible partners. Well, so I'll, that, that, that is the thing, right? Because you are hearing the story from her perspective. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a lie. Fair enough. It could be true, but like we never yeah, get we never a corroborating. Get to, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like everything is from her. And like and this and this is also the thing that I'm talking about, like what attractiveness does. Like I believed her, right? Like Exactly. Yeah. You believe her. Oh, you believe her. Man. You believe her. 
and like she does something and you're like but how can somebody this beautiful do something and then you get a narrative that makes sense you're like oh of course of course of course it, this makes sense because look at her like how she she cannot be the bad person in this movie <laughs> yeah i'd see it oh my god yeah so yeah this is my favorite movie of the year like it's just yeah it's like using that like that femme fatale genre and being like yeah, yeah we're going to really talk about that femme fatalness yes. of it exactly oh yeah it's, yeah it's quite genius yeah 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 and also like the guy also knows she's hot <laughs> and he's also like but he's also denying it in a way yeah which sort of <laughs> makes manipulating him even sweeter yes <laughs> And easier too, isn't it? Yeah. Because the more you try to suppress it, the more it'll surface eventually. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I love the film and everything. I think the only thing that annoyed me about the film was that. Do you remember this scene when he was cleaning up after? Yeah. And the scene showed you like the table was like to one side. Right. And he was vacuuming the floor. The whole time, like, who will vacuum the floor? First, before putting back the table, I just I lost it. I was like, "Wait, this I don't even remember that." Oh no, I was so annoyed by that. It was like such a just like a few seconds moment. I'm like, it was only in that moment that I was I left the film. If you know what I mean, like my mm. brain suddenly went like, "Oh shit, I'm watching a film." Yeah, because I was so engrossed. It was so good. Yeah, that I I wasn't I was really in the film, right? But it was in that moment I was like, "Oh shit, I'm watching a film." They fucking this makes no sense. Makes no yeah. sense. <laughs> it's like he vacuums he finishes vacuums then he puts the table upright no no sir <laughs> well for me the the film for me i think i really really enjoyed is the banshees of inisherin which i've mentioned before on the podcast because i watched it back to back uh after in bruges oh right right, right. Okay, okay so that for me it feels like there's kind of some kind of continuity in terms of like the actors and the style of um the Martin McDonald style um and i i felt like for me i think it's more personal for me because i am living in ireland and yeah. i know and not just any part of ireland i'm living in rural ireland rural ireland you yes. know so it felt more like oh my god i finally understand the psyche of these people here <laughs> you know it's it, yeah so i don't know i enjoyed i enjoyed it a lot in that for that i really liked it as well mm. And in a way, I wish that I'd seen it before our friendship episode, mm. because yeah, there's a lot I can say <laughs> about choosing not to be friends with someone. Yeah, <laughs> that is also like the thing that I relate to because yeah, after high school, I sort of stopped talking to some people from high school, and I think some of them like through the vine, I've heard like, oh, why, why are you behaving this way? Blah blah blah. No. That's the thing, right? I I think it's it's a valid way. It's not not a valid. Way, it's a valid reason to end a friendship because this is the thing about friendship, right? Like a friendship has no contract. For example, like a relationship, like a romantic relationship, even without marriage, there is still some sort of like unwritten contract. Like yeah, like I expect this from you. You expect this from me. We need this for each other. And if we break up, like we sort of owe each other some sort of like talk we have the talk to sort of you know blah blah, blah. like that is some sort of at least societal structure to how to run this thing mm. there is no that for friendship so it's like somebody is dull it's just like okay bye like <laughs> i don't owe you an explanation <laughs> i mean i'm not saying that's the, a nice thing to do it clearly is not yeah. but just 
the, that concept to me is just super wild. It's just like, oh yeah, but also to do that in a small town where like you see this person every single day. Yeah. That's wild. And you, it's not like he has ample choices for friends. No. It's the same no. bloody five guys, you know? Yes. So. <laughs> and to, I mean, without getting into spoilers, but then the extreme things that he does. Yeah, and which he needs them in order to, <laughs> yes. you know, so... Yeah, it's just, and I was like, wow. But but also, it's also a thing where like, there is a sort of, um, there's a sadness to, I guess, being somewhere where you feel, not even necessarily like intelligence, but just you don't feel like there's somebody that sort of vibes on the same level as you. Yeah. But yeah, I love that movie. I love that movie. The next movie I'll talk about and I'm going to talk about this specifically because I don't think a lot of people talk about this movie, mm-hmm. is Jackass Forever. Oh, wow. Have you seen it? I know, but I, I've i seen the the old ones. Yeah. The really, in the big, like when they first started doing this. Yeah. I'm really surprised that you would choose this. Okay, I want to hear. Jackass Forever is, it's kind of like a passion of the torch. So they have like the old cast members, like Johnny Knoxville and... Steve-O, but they also have like this younger, new cast members, and sometimes they combine the stunts together, and and essentially Jackass is just like men hitting themselves in the nuts. Yeah. Every stunt at the end of the day ends with somebody hitting someone in the nuts, or like somebody falling from someone on their nuts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just amazed that they have some more nuts to hit by the, I know yeah, by, like they made what three films already right of I guess four now four but, yeah four yeah and the thing is <laughs> when I watched Jackass Forever was when I was <laughs> right after I hurt my back and then these people are like flinging each other like <laughs> for no reason <laughs> and I was like wow like it just could not I, I couldn't brain it I was like you have a healthy body and you are getting someone to like fire you from a cannon mm. for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason why it's on my list is because even though these guys were kicking each other in the nuts, like literally, and there was this stunt with like Steve-O getting a queen bee on his penis. Oh. And then because the queen is there, the entire hive. Oh my God. Built. The, the hive on his on penis. His pe- oh. <laughs> on his penis. <laughs> oh. But the thing for me is just unmistakable how much love and care the guys have for each other. Mm. And it's something that I have not seen, I don't think in any movie this year. Just you can really see how they are like this family and like they really care for each other. And even though like they like literally like putting each other in situations that your worst enemy would not or should not put you in mm. but they are putting these people that they very clearly really love mm. into the situation and yeah that's something about that I just find really beautiful to be like okay we are this group of misfits that are doing some really insane things mm. but we also really love each other and part of the way that we show our love is I mean the way I'm describing it, it sounds like abusive to be like, oh, we are sort of kicking you in the nuts and we tell you we love you. Mm. But also like everyone is in it. Yeah. 
except for maybe John and Axel because I guess he's older than them and like his body can't really take it anymore. Right, right. But in some of them, he's also part of it. So it's like it's not like they're just like it's, it's, it's not like hazing where just like putting people below you through torture mm. for your own amusement. Like you're all in this together, mm-hmm. and I honestly found it very. It was a very wholesome movie for me. Wow. I I yeah. don't think I've ever heard anyone describe the Jackass series as wholesome. It really is about community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A very niche kind but still. And I think that's also maybe like a thread for me this year like community, right? Or just like this feeling of belonging, whether it's like at home with my family or this book that I'm reading that I feel like it's part of like I belong into this thing and then like this Jackass which is about people who really belong, mm. who have found like a home. Yeah. This is the end of part one. See you next week in part two. Il est l'heure, fini l'heure de danser, danse, danse. Alan Light Tribe Podcasting is a project of Al Siu and Al Ibrahim. This episode was edited by me, Al Ibrahim, and the cover design is by Al Siu. My work can be found at meetbyal.net and Al Siu writes at alsiu.com. DM us on Instagram with feedback or topic suggestions at alxalpodcast. Podcast.